Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good to see each of you in God's house. Anybody excited about message four of Prison Break? Man, I've enjoyed teaching and preaching this series, and I just um, feel compelled um, just to go ahead and say today, and I, this is not to bring any amount of shame to anyone. Uh, how many know there's freedom in Christ? And our past is our past. Uh, but I do want to celebrate what was overturned uh, for the last 50 years in this nation. 63 million, million babies have been aborted, and that has been overturned. And you need to know our stance is always going to be life here at Bethesda Church. And the reason is because that's what God's Word says. And we celebrate life today. Come on, let's give God a hand. That's one of the big pillars in this nation that needed a turn, that needed a shift. And so we celebrate life. Um, and I just think it's important, very, very important uh, to come into alignment with the Word of God and celebrate when something like that happens. Um, I want to say once again, I am truly honored you're here today. PK and I consider it a great honor um, that you would come every single week and you would serve here. And it's a great honor of ours to share the Word of God uh, with you week after week. Um, we are truly blessed to pastor you and, and to lead you. And so we just want to say thank you for leaning in to God's word and, and just being who God has called you to be. You can give yourselves a hand right there. I mean, you, you guys are awesome. Uh, we are closing out the series today, and I hope uh, you have enjoyed it. We've been laying some foundation for three weeks, kind of building line upon line, um, building block upon building block. Um, and we know that temptation has a way of placing our life into a prison. When we're not successful against combating uh, temptation and we, we're falling into it, it has a way of uh, placing our lives into a prison. In week one, we talked about the fact that God always provides a way of escape every single time. In week two, we learned the process of temptation. There's a process of temptation in your life. It begins with a thought. The thought becomes an imagination. Then we justify what we're thinking about. Then we make a decision. We, we choose something. And the result is sin. And we learned in that message how to fight temptation. Last week, we talked about walking in the Spirit. The Apostle Paul was pretty clear when he says that if you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That walking in the Spirit is, is central to defeating temptation. Now, remember, I, we have to remember, it's not a sin to be tempted. That's not a sin. Everybody is tempted. We're all tempted. Jesus was tempted. Uh, some people feel guilty when they are tempted. And I want to encourage you, just because you're tempted with something does not mean you should feel guilty about that. Um, when you're tempted, that is an opportunity, that is an invitation for you to get a little closer to Jesus. 
Every time you feel temptation, every time you're tempted to do something that you shouldn't do, remember what, what Pastor Chad told you, that this is my opportunity right now in the middle of the temptation to get a little bit closer to Jesus. Amen? How many think that, that's good advice right there? Just get closer to Jesus. Because we're not fighting temptation on our own. Um, and so today, I told you last week that I would close the series out by practically telling you how to feed your spirit. And so I want to talk to you about feeding your spirit today. And uh, I believe that, as we stated last week, what we feed grows and what we starve dies. We want to feed our spirit and starve our flesh. And so let's go back to our opening text, our key text for the series, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. We'll have some other scriptures a little bit later, but I want to go back one more time and rehearse this. It says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, let me set this message up real quick. How many workout warriors do I have in the house? How many people are committed to working out? I need to see some hands. Oh, wow. The next series, physical fitness. We got like five people in the whole church that works out. Wow. We got some work to do. Y'all like, yeah, I'm working out, working donuts up and I curl them bad boys. Um, I used to be a, I'm by no means a workout warrior now. I, I just now got back into running a little bit. Um, but I used to be into weight training. And when I was in college, we would lift weights, you know, uh, on our free time. That was just a, a big thing. We always would go to the gym after classes and pump iron. And, uh, you know, Pastor Karen probably wishes I would go and pump it again. Um, I don't know. She loves me anyway. Um, but we would lift weights. And, and, you know, a lot of it was to um, grow in that. You know, you want to you wanna go from benching 150 to 200 to 250, you wanted to grow, you wanted to get stronger, and it was about max, well, how much could you max? But at times, what we would do is we would take a, a low weight, whether it be just the bar, 45-pound bar, and, and bench it, or we would take um, a dumb, dumbbells, only maybe like 10 or 15 pounds, and instead of, you know, uh, three sets of eight or 10, what you would do is you would take the light weight, and you would do it until you couldn't lift it anymore. And so you were breaking the muscles down so that you could build strength in them. So that 45 pound, if somebody walked in and you were on that 45 pound bar, they didn't know you were on like rep 52, but they're like, man, why is that dude struggling with 45 pounds? Or that 10 pound dumbbell, you know, you've, you've curled it. And the first 15 or 20 times you curl it, I mean, it's easy. You got strength, it's, it's no problem, but you get up to 30 and 40 and the lactic acid starts setting in, your muscles start shaking, and you get to a point where you can't even curl a 15-pound dumbbell. And so the point of that is, is that you're building the muscles up by burning out the muscles. And when it comes to temptation, the reality is, is that you can be strong for a while. You can be strong for a season. 
You can have the ability to withstand some temptation for a little while, but listen to me, eventually, if it keeps coming and you are not prepared, you are not prayed up, you don't have the word in you, you haven't been spending time with God, you haven't been hanging out with the right people, eventually you will arrive at a moment of weakness and you will end up doing something that you regret. You can be strong for a little while. And, and what happens when we give in to temptation, we, we ask ourselves things like, why am I so weak? I mean, why did I give in to that? Why, I mean, this is the 900th time I've given in to the same thing. That's what many of you have thought during this series. Why is it the same thing? And you think, why am I so weak? I, I just feel so weak in this area. And a lot of us, you know, whether it's eating better or exercising or getting into God's word or making better financial decisions or getting that addiction out of our life, many times we really want to eliminate something, but we feel weak. Why is it that our spirit is so willing, but our flesh is so weak? I want you to hear this next statement because here's the answer to that question. We are often weak because we haven't bonded with what makes us strong. I'm gonna say that again. We're often weak because we have not bonded with what makes us strong. We are weak and vulnerable because we're not abiding in the vine where we get the spiritual strength to produce the fruit that is not of our power, but it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of the Holy Spirit can make the difference in your life? You better get ready. I'm going to do a whole series on the Holy Spirit in the month of July. We're going to spend some time talking about it because it's not our strength. It's not our power. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The Holy Spirit is there to help us and to enable us to overcome. There was a professor of uh, psychology at, uh, in Vancouver by the name of Bruce Alexander, and Bruce did a study on addiction. Everybody say addiction, all right? We, we know addiction is an epidemic in this nation, addiction to all sorts of things. But he did this study on addiction, and he did the study by taking rats and putting them into a cage. And he gave them regular water, but he also gave them water filled with either cocaine or heroin. He wanted to study what the rats would drink. And inevitably, the rats ended up getting addicted to the chemical-laced water. 100% of the rats overdosed, 100%. And he said in that, the conclusion is, is that we are chemically biased toward certain things, and the neurological brain waves make us more vulnerable to do this, that or the other and we are going to just naturally be more addicted. And we know science at some level has proven some of these things. Then he took a step back because he realized that what he had done with the rats by putting them in the cage all by themselves with just two different types of water, one being regular and one being laced, that it really wasn't fair. And so he ran the tests again, but this time, what he did is he created something uh, that, that they called Rat Park. It was like Disney World for rats. 
Come on, y'all, walk with me for just a minute. Disney World for rats. And so what he did is he put little balls in the cage that the rats like to play with. He put some tunnels in there. He placed some spinny things in there. If it was a male rat going into the cage, he blessed the male rat with a female rat so that they could get ratty and do whatever they needed to do in the cage. Um, He did all this fun stuff, and he left the regular water and the laced water. The previous study, 100% of the rats overdosed, but in Rat Park, not one single rat overdosed on the chemical-infused water. And suddenly, he had what he then considered to be a breakthrough on the study of addiction, which is when we do not bond to that which makes us strong, we become incredibly vulnerable to the wrong desires that we have. But on the other hand, when we are bonding with those things that make us healthy, we are are bound to the things that make us strong, we are incredibly more resistant uh, to the addictions, to the temptations, to the things that plague our lives. I don't care what it is that you may be addicted to this morning. The truth is, is that we are more vulnerable to what our flesh desires most of the time because we are less connected to what makes us strong. So many times, people, even in the church world, we're looking for ways to get physically stronger. We, we ask people, what, what, what diet are you on? What, what is your workout regimen? What, what are you doing? You, you meet somebody who's successful financially and you ask them, how, how did you build that wealth? How did you become financially secure? And we ask, and those are great questions to ask, but one of the questions that we really need to get to in the church is not how do I get financially stronger? How do I get physically stronger? How do I make my mind stronger? But we need to start asking, how can I get spiritually stronger? I should have more claps right there. Spiritually stronger. Because your spirit man affects your finances. It affects your physical man. When your spirit's right, you can make a lot of progress in a lot of areas. And so I think we need to be asking the question, how do I make my spirit man stronger? I want us to be stronger spiritually. And, and in order to do that, we have to get connected to that which makes us stronger. The truth of the matter is this, most people, most of us, we can resist things for a season, but we can only resist certain things for so long. Eventually, weakness steps in. And how do we prevent that from happening? That's kind of what I want to get to by telling you how to practically feed your spirit today. Um, I know that this type of message is really directed toward people who, who already know Jesus, this is, this is to strengthen your personal walk with Jesus. Uh, and so in that, what I want you to do, I'm gonna give you three things to practically feed your spirit, but I want you to focus on the one. Everybody say the one. All right? I don't need you walking out of here doing all three. And the reason for that is because most of us, if we're, do, if we're trying to do all three, what we end up doing is nothing. So I want you to focus on the one area in this message that stands out for you. The area of weakness, the one area that you would say that out of those three that he talked about, that's the one I am weakest in, that's the one I'm going to focus on. 
So how do we feed our spirit to be spiritually strong? Number one, you need to feed your spirit with prayer. It's amazing how basic we have to get in today's culture. Things like prayer and fasting and the word and and relationship, all that stuff was a given when I was growing up. But nowadays, you tell somebody to pray, they're like, wow, that's, that's revelation. You know? But how many know you, your, your relationship with God is only going to be as strong as your prayer life? And let's, let's be real honest. If I haven't prayed for a couple days, I notice. I notice. I start seeing the world very negatively. I, I, you know, I can tell I, I need a cleansing of my spirit, of my mind. If I go more than that without prayer, it's not just me that notices. Pastor Karen's going to notice. If it extends beyond that, how many know it's not only going to be me and Pastor Karen's going to know, but my children are going to know. Man, Dad needs to get in the presence of the Lord. Come on, y'all. Am I in a real church here? Like, if you're not in time in prayer, eventually people are going to notice you haven't been in the presence of God. And and most importantly, you're going to notice you've not been in the presence of God. Jesus said this, before I read this, just like exercise makes the body strong, prayer makes the spirit strong. All right? It makes the spirit strong. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41, he said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. This is what we've been preaching on for four weeks. Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He said, watch and pray. He didn't say, watch and do. He didn't say, watch and and whatever the culture is saying, kind of go in that direction. He said, I want you to watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation because at the end of the day, we all have to understand that spirit in you, that, that new creation in Christ in your life, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in you, the spirit is always willing to do what God is telling you to do. It's the flesh that is weak. And he said, if you watch and pray, it'll prevent you from falling in to temptation. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he said, I want you guys to pray like this. One of the lines in in the Lord's Prayer is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So prayer is a weapon against temptation that strengthens your spirit. No one ever says, Um, I fell into righteousness. No one ever says, I fell into holiness. I'm so holy, I can barely stand myself. I fell right into it. You know why? Because you can't fall into holiness. You can't fall into righteousness. You can't just get tripped and fall. Man, I am so righteous. I am awesome. I just fell right in. It's amazing. But you know what we do fall into? Temptation and sin. Because outside of prayer, outside of God's word, outside of of being connected to the right people, we get tripped up and we fall in to temptation. If you're righteous, if you're holy, if you're on fire for God, you didn't fall in that. You chose to intentionally pursue the goodness of God. And as you pursued God, he clothed you with his righteousness, his holiness. He set you apart. 
if you're on fire for God, you didn't fall in the, into that. You made a decision at some point to draw closer to God, to walk with him. And Jesus, he said, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. And we know that before he went to the cross, he was at the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was there, it was right after he had taught them, if you're weak, you need to pray. If you're weak, you need to pray. And in this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus found himself weak. And what did he do? He prayed. He prayed and he said, God, if there be any other way, could you remove this cup? He understood the cup that he was about to drink from was a cup of suffering, a cup of torture. And he prays, God, if there's any other way, can you remove this cup? And then he prays the greatest prayer of submission. He says, nevertheless, God, not my will, but your will be done. This is important because submission to God is vital. It's vital. It's vital. When, when I am not submitted to God, why would I resist temptation? If I'm not submitted to him, I'm going to be more vulnerable to temptation. When I'm submitted to God, my spirit is stronger. I'm able to withstand the temptations against my flesh. And so I would encourage you that to make part of your prayer time maybe some declarations. Some declarations um, uh, or, or prayer points or prayer focuses of submitting yourself to God. And, and, and it can look as simple as, God, today I submit my mind to you. I submit my eyes to you that I will not look upon anything I shouldn't look, look on. I submit my ears to you that I will not put myself in positions to hear anything that does not bring glory and honor to you. I submit my heart to you. I submit my hands to you that I would do things that build the kingdom, not tear the kingdom down. I submit my feet to you, God, that I would only go to the places you have called me to go to. I submit my life to you, God, my family to you, God. I submit my, my, my entire world to you. Because the reason for that is we are strengthened through prayer. We're strengthened through it. Listen, prayer does not have to be on your, on your knees for an hour. Man, I, you know, you, it does not have to be on your knees for an hour. It's not about how long you spent in prayer. You can learn how to pray in a moment. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. What does that, I'll tell you what it looks like. Pastor Karen and I, we communicate every morning. We talk before we leave the house. A couple hours later, we talk again. If we're both in the office, we catch up at some point. If we're both not here, we text each other. We're texting throughout the day. We're having conversations through the day. We get home from work and we talk again. Why? Because we're preparing dinner, what the evening looks like. And we, we talk as we're getting the kids ready for bed. And after everybody's in bed, we're, we talk again. That's what it looks like to pray without ceasing. Some of us, the reason our prayer life is struggling is because we think we've got to block out one hour or two hours and that's the only time that we're gonna be in the presence of God. But I'm telling you that prayer also 
oftentimes takes place in moments throughout the day, moments in your car, moments in that cubicle, moments while you're changing the diaper, moment, what, moments while you're dropping off the bank deposit, moments the Holy Spirit wants to communicate with you, not just once in the morning, he wants to talk to you all day long. Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Pray without ceasing. That's what prayer looks like. It's not, and I'm not against like getting up and spending an hour with God. If that's part of what you do, that's awesome. Keep doing it. But please don't just pray for an hour and then think, I'll see you again in 24 hours, Lord. What if you treated your marriage that way? You get an hour. Hurry. Come on, y'all. You're going to have a rough marriage. I'll see you again, same time, tomorrow. That's not much of a relationship. Listen, you're in a relationship with God. And, and the truth is, you can always tell when people are not praying. They become negative, cynical, jaded. They see everything through a negative perspective. You see, prayer takes you from where you are to where you're supposed to be. So, so you say, I'm living stressed out. Well, prayer will give you peace. I'm overwhelmed. I have anxiety, Pastor. Prayer will bring joy. I'm struggling with temptation. Prayer will help you find the way out. God has already provided. Prayer takes you from where you are to where you are supposed to be. That's what prayer does. Secondly, now some of you, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and just throw it out there. You're done with the message. Because I didn't even give you the other two, but that was the one. So whatever, if you want to take a nap, you can take a nap. Whatever you need to do, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you already know that's the one. I got to work on my prayer life. Secondly, feed your spirit with God's word. Basic, basic stuff. So important if you want to be spiritually strong that you learn how to feed your spirit with the word of God. Psalm 119, 9 through 11 says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with, my, with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So David asked, how can a young person stay on a path of purity? He didn't say by living according to whatever the culture says is cool. He didn't say by living according to what all your friends are doing. By living to what you see and read on social media. He said to live pure, I must live according to the word of God. That I seek God with my whole heart. That I don't stray from the commands of God. I have hidden his word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against God. It's all about the word of God. You know what's missing in this nation, in this culture? The reason we see all these trends, whether, and I won't go down a long list of things that, are, that we're facing in our world. You guys, the, the, the things that we're facing are obvious. But the reason the culture is struggling is because there's been, people have turned away from the word of God. It's, it's about the word. How many believe that the word of God stands forever? That heaven and earth will pass away, but his words are eternal. 
His word is eternal. I'm reminded of John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through Him all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made, and in Him, in the Word, was life, and that life was the light to all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son of God from the Father, full of grace and truth. Give God praise for the Word. The Word is where it's at. The Word. Standing on the Word. When we talk about the armor of God, the Word of God is the only offensive weapon. The entire armor of God is very def defensive in nature. The helmet, the shield, the breastplate of righteousness. We have all these defensive weapons, but the only real offensive weapon is the Word of God. We know Jesus fought back against the temptations of the devil by speaking the Word of God. When Satan came to Jesus and said, why don't you turn these stones into bread? Jesus said, no, it is written. In other words, the Word says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Satan came again and said, why don't you throw yourself off of this building and let the angels catch you? After all, they have been given charge over you. And Jesus said, no, it is written, the word says, man shall not put the Lord thy God to test. Satan said, why don't you bow down and worship me and I'll give you all these things that I have. And Jesus said, no, it is written, I will worship the Lord my God and serve him daily. We hide the word in our heart so that when temptation comes, we don't speak our opinion. We don't speak what we think about the issue. We speak the word of God. It is written. God has already spoken on this issue. And as we pray and as we speak the word, how many of you understand God is faithful and will always provide a way? out every single time now some of you are going to say well pastor I'm just you know I'm not good at memorizing I'm so tired of hearing that come on you know every lyric to Taylor Swift's album like you know everything Brooks and Dunn has ever sang it comes on and you just, I mean, it, it just, whoo. You, you know every line to, to songs. Every, some of you, there's movies come on, your TV, and you quote every, you, I mean, you drive your spouse crazy. You quote every line before they say it. And yet you sit around and say, I, I just can't memorize Scripture. I just can't learn the Scripture. When you feed yourself the Word of God, and let me just say it like this. You will memorize whatever is important to you. You feed yourself the word of God. And just as food strengthens your body, the living bread, the word of God strengthens your spirit. Every now and then, you're going to be tempted. You're going to feel weak. And the question will become, have I hidden the word of God in my heart? Do I have God's eternal word deposited in my spirit 
so that when the tempter comes, I can say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in me and will quicken my mortal body. I am the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. I'm blessed when I'm in the field. I'm blessed when I'm in the city. God has good plans for me, plans to give me a future and a hope. I'm not going to waste my life on a temptation when God's got bigger things for me to do and accomplish. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what I'm talking about? You gotta have some word on the inside of you, not that you're speaking your own words. We need to be speaking what God has already spoken. See, when I strengthen myself in the word of God, it it begins transforming my mind. It takes, listen, when I get into the word, it takes the trash out in my life. I don't know how it is at your house, but when we get done with dinner, it's a mess. And we are very committed to getting our trash out. And some of us, the reason we can't get the trash out is because we're not putting the word in. When the word gets in, your mind becomes transformed. The trash of the world that's gotten on you, you begin to take it out. It strengthens you spiritually. So how are we going to to get spiritually strong? We're gonna feed our spirit through prayer. We're gonna feed our spirit with the word of God. The last point this morning, we're gonna feed our spirit with the right people. Man, this this is so important right here. We think this one isn't spiritual. Well, he did the spiritual points. Now he's, you know, this isn't spiritual. Relationships are spiritual. They are very spiritual. In relationships, there's always an exchange taking place where what's on you is getting on them and what's on them is getting on you. And and you, you, you gotta understand relationships are extremely spiritual. It's why the Apostle Paul said, and, and before I read this, I wanna say the Apostle Paul was not concerned about being politically correct. He was pulling no punches. He was extremely direct. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34, he said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. The people you hang with are causing you to sin. And Paul said, stop it, cut it out, come back to your senses, don't don't be misled. Because the reality is, is that if you're connected to the wrong people, they are pulling you down spiritually. It's happening. Whether you see it or notice it or not, it is happening. I'm gonna take it a step further. What voices are you allowing to speak into your life through social media platforms? Who are you connecting yourself to? Who are you aligning to? What voices should you really be cutting off, but you've not cutting them off, you're still feeding on what they're saying, and what they're saying is opposite of God's standard, opposite of what God's word says, and you say, ah, it's not bothering me, it's not bothering me. I'm telling you, if you're putting bad stuff in, you're only gonna get bad stuff out, and it's gonna be really quiet because 
We, we compartmentalize our faith. We come to church, oh, Pastor Chad was on fire, got the word today. Then we go right on to social media and log in and connect to voices we know we shouldn't be connected to. Aligning ourselves with voices that bring us down. What what are you listening to? Who are you following? What are they speaking into your life? Paul said, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Then he says, come back to your senses and stop sinning. Stop hanging with the wrong people. We have to understand that being around the wrong people never helps you do the right thing. Being around the wrong people will never help you do the right thing. I watch good Christian people get connected with hateful, gossiping, backbiting type of people thinking I'll be close to them, I'll be connected to them, I'll pull them up. Listen, if they don't want to get out of that state, eventually you're going to be in the pig pen with them. Quite honestly, some of us, we need some friendship upgrades. Upgrades. Now, I'm not saying you need to go to some friends in your life and say, hey, I'm sorry, but you didn't make the cut. (laughs) Now, listen, it may come to that because they may ask, what's up? Why are you ghosting me? Because you bad company. You're corrupting my character. You may have to have an honest conversation. And let somebody know, we can't hang like we used to. I want to say, I would not be standing in a pulpit preaching to you today if, if not for more than 20 years ago when I gave my life to Christ, I was connected to a lot of people that I had partied with, sinned with, did bad things with. If I had not broken away, I'm serious, if I had not broken away from some of those relationships... I would not be standing in a pulpit today preaching God's word to you. It wasn't enough to pray. It wasn't enough to get the word. There were some relationship changes that I had to make. Jesus said, watch this, when you follow him, what did he say? He said, take up your cross. What does that mean? It means discipleship is hard sometimes. It means discipleship and growing in my relationship with God and getting to a place where I can defeat temptation in my life is gonna take some effort on my part. If you're overcoming alcohol addiction, I hope you understand that hanging out with the same friends at the bar on Friday night is not the place for you. If if you've spent years eating sugar and you're battling diabetes and and you're overweight and your doctor's telling you, hey, you need to, you know, cut it out. How many know you don't need to be in the small group called donut eating? I don't think we have one of those, but it sounds really good. So maybe we exercise, we can go for a run first and then we eat donuts. Kind of, that way it balances out, right? 
Some of y'all are like, praise the Lord. And that's my, my, that's my pastor right there. But you, you, you got to understand, I, I can't be connected. If I've, if I've come out of a certain temptation, why am I connecting with people who are struggling with that temptation? i got to separate myself. It's absolutely critical to have a victorious life in following Jesus that we have some people that love us enough to get in our face, to hold us accountable, to ask us the hard questions. We need some people who love us enough to tell us the truth, who won't hold back, who, who will say things like, I'm not judging you, but this is the second time in the last three months you failed in this area. You know what happens with church people when we call them out for that stuff? They get offended and find another church. I'm like, you, you know what you just said? You just said, I don't want to grow. I don't want to be a disciple. I don't want to be held accountable for my actions. I want to be free to do whatever I want to do. That's not a disciple. A disciple of Christ sometimes has to put down some things they really want to do in order to embrace the things that God has for us to do. Can we be a church that has enough accountability that if we're in groups together, small groups together, that we can ask the tough questions, not judge anybody, help them take a step forward. It's not about condemning anybody. It's about all of us growing and becoming everything God has called us to be. That's all that it is. That's what it's about. You need someone who can, who can speak into your life. Relationships are so important. Listen, the church is not just a place we go. How many of you understand we are the body of Christ? We are the family of God. And scripture is very clear that we are vulnerable without each other. Completely vulnerable. When we come together, we are strengthened. When we worship together, we are strengthened. When we serve together, we are strengthened. When we get in groups together, we are strengthened. As I wrap this thing up this morning, worship team, you can get in place. If I didn't learn how, as a new Christian, learn how to pray and understand the importance of getting God's word into my heart every single day and also getting connected to the right people, I would have become another casualty. I'm telling you, and I, I, I know this, you're like, this was just a simple message, simple. But how many of you would say this morning after hearing these three practical steps to feed your spirit that there's one area that needs some improvement in your life? All of us. We all have something. And it may, it may be for you. You know what, I gotta, I gotta get this prayer thing down. I gotta learn to talk to God. Let me just say this about prayer. Prayer's dialogue. It's a conversation. It's not you just ranting and raving for an hour and then going on about your way. The Holy Spirit will speak back to you. God wants to communicate back to you. So get into the presence of God. Spend some time praying. Get into the Word of God and make it, make it a, you know, a, a decision, a high priority thing on your list that you're connecting with the right people. And the reason is because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I'm not here today because I'm strong. 
I'm here today because God is strong. The flesh is weak. It's not, not your, just your discipline and your effort and all that kind of stuff. We're all crazy vulnerable. But Paul said, no temptation has seized us except what is common to man. But he also said, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But with every temptation, he will always provide a way out. Why don't we take the way out more often? I think we don't take the way out more often because we're weak, because we've not bonded with that which makes us strong. Bond with God through prayer, through the word, and through the right people. And as you do that, what happens is, is that God's strength is being made perfect in your weakness. Why do you think the scripture says, when I'm weak, I'm strong? It's because when I'm weak, it's an invitation to say, God, I need you. It's not my strength, it's his. The Holy Spirit, during this series, he's been, some of you in this series, you got a revelation, you don't have to live where you've been living. For the first time in a long time, you actually believed I can walk out of this. I can, I can take the way of escape. Some of you who battled certain temptations for years and cycles and repetitive sins and behaviors, the Holy Spirit has already began breaking those layer upon layer. And as we feed our spirit practically, what are we doing? Through prayer, word, and right relationships, we're protecting ourselves so that we don't become vulnerable to the same things we just came out of. We're building a hedge all around us. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Did you get something from the Word of God today? I hope you got something out of it. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. No one looking around for the next couple of moments. We're going to open up the altars in just a minute to pray for people. Whatever you need prayer for, I want you to know these altars are going to be open. The prayer team and uh, staff, you can go ahead and get in place even during this part. Go ahead and make that transition. But as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. I want to speak to some people today that are in this church or watching online that you would say, Pastor Chad, I'm not in right relationship with Jesus. At the end of the day, that's where I'm at. Maybe you've never been saved. Maybe you were saved, but for whatever reason, you you backslid, you, you quit on your relationship with God, you got entangled with things again that God had one, at one time had brought you out of and, and you're here today and you, you've heard this message, you're like, man, I'd love to do all that, but I, I'm not even in right relationship with Jesus. That's the starting place. So if that's you and you say, Pastor, I wanna get saved, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior today. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right there where you are and say, you're talking to me, I want to know Jesus. Thank you for this hand over here. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Say, that's me. You're talking to me. Anyone else? Anyone else? Before we pray. Let's all pray together. Come on, I want you to pray loud enough that you can hear it with your own ears. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. 
I can't save myself, so I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me for every sin. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give him a big round of applause today. So good. So, so good. Awesome. Here's what I want you to do. If you made that, that decision to follow Jesus, we're working on an entire discipleship plan that we're going to unveil sometime in July. But until then, I want to make sure that we're doing everything on our part. If you made that commitment to Christ, there's a connect card in the seat back in front of you. If you would take a minute to write your name on that card and let us know you made a decision for Christ. And as you do that, when you finish, there is a salvation table in the back left, my left, your right of the room. Uh, and I want to meet you there, all right? That, that, I want to meet you there um, and put a gift in your hand. I want to look into your eyes. Um, and I want to be able to help you take your next step. Is that all right, church, that we help people take their next step? Altars are open if you need prayer. Come and receive it, worship team. You guys can take it from here. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.